my first trip was to Indonesia in the summer of 1996, and from there I went to Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, uh, Mongolia, Siberia, Mexico, Germany. I just I gave the rest of my college years to uh, to the missions program there. And um, when I graduated with my uh, first degree, um, I stepped away from involvement with the program on a staff level and as a team leader level. And I was asked to be the director of what's called Ropes Course. Ropes Course is the culmination of training that is, that is literally the last phase of a, of a probably, what, seven-month process of training, essentially. From October to May, the students who are going out on missions at ORU go through training for seven months. And the last week, they, go, they literally go through a boot camp. It is boot camp. They go through athletics. They learn dramas. We have power-packed Holy Ghost services every night. They go through what's called low ropes team building, high ropes challenge courses. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely phenomenal. I've been directing that now 15 years. Was this my fifth? 14 years. This year was 14. My 14th year directing that this year. Bobby, when did you take that first trip to Brazil? 2006. So eight years ago, uh, one of the team leaders leading a team to Brazil uh, just stood out. And he has been standing out to people before that time and ever since. But he just stood out to me. And there was something about who I am that stood out to him. And literally our spirits were so attracted to one another in a very godly sense. And uh, the Lord began forming and forging a very precious friendship uh, relationship. And I can say this, this, this man spurs me on in a way that few others do. He is, he is, he's a man that the Lord has called me to pour my life into. He is, uh, he's a spiritual son in my heart. And in the past eight years, he has provoked me in my love for the Lord. And he has provoked me to be a man of God. There'll be times where Bobby will call me or at times where we're interacting with one another and the things that he says, it, it calls me higher. It, he's a form of accountability to say, Jade, you need to keep being a godly husband. You need to keep staying married to your wife. You need to keep being a godly father because your life is making a difference and I'm looking up to your life and you need to know that if, you, if something happens, it's, 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 gonna, it's gonna really be devastating. And that provokes me and that calls me higher. He is the director of missions at Oral Roberts University. He's responsible for uh, everything that happens in that program, from raising up 300 students, actually 500 students, and sending them out to 40 plus countries around the world, spring break, fall break, summer missions combined. And uh, this man is one of the most faithful and loyal men and honorable men that I've ever had the privilege of knowing. And uh, when I knew that he was gonna be in town this weekend, I just thought, would you please, Bobby, come and share your heart? There's something about what is in your heart that we need in this house. And uh, as far as being on our activation series, I believe that you are such an activated man. When I get around you, I, can't, I cannot be passive. I cannot be mediocre. When I'm around you, I get activated just being with you. And I want some of that to be imparted into the house today. So that being said, Antioch Church, could you help me in honoring a man that I love and a son that I love to come, Bobby Parks, and speak into the house this morning. Come on up here. Mm. 
Wow. Hey, what an honor it is to be here today. Um, love the heart for the nations uh, here in this house. For those of you guys um, that have already signed up for missions, um, we'll be praying with you guys. Um, those of you guys who haven't, I challenge you to. If you haven't caught the bug yet uh, for the nations, God's going to wreck your heart in a good way. Um, I took my first missions trip the year that I got saved. I, um, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. So I, I took my first uh, missions trip to Brazil. And uh, shortly after, I'd came, come to know Jesus. And I was a lost boy before that. My father committed suicide when I was younger. I was lost in drugs and alcohol, didn't know my identity, wasn't living a wholesome life. But church, know this, God can redeem and restore anyone, any situation. That's what he's in the business of doing since the fall in the garden, God redeems and he restores. Anyone, I'm living proof of that. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. I can't even put on a lapel mic. Um, properly. Thank you, Dave. It feels good, too. Yeah. You guys ever, any men in the house want to admit that they go to a place, thanks, Dave, you go to a place that when they cut your hair, they actually massage your head a little bit? Any? Okay. I, I know I lost a few man points admitting that, but yeah, my wife does it the best, but at the same time, thank you. No worries. I can go handheld. Let's, let's, uh, Okay, so um, now that I embarrass myself too, you guys know more too that I, I, I'm not qualified to be here. Um, it's, not, it's not me. Um, I hope what you guys hear though today is I hope you guys hear the heart of Jesus. My wife's here in this audience, Brooke Parks. I call her Brooklyn. If you guys could uh, welcome her. She's a beautiful lady. You can stand up, Brooklyn. Your pastor married us just in January. We're not even eight months married now, and uh, we're loving it. I, uh, I do, I direct our missions program at Oral Roberts University, and I'm around a lot of college students who aren't married, so they're always asking, what's marriage like, you know? And I tell them uh, to contextualize to where they are. I said, it's like being on the best missions team ever. And for a lot of them, they've, you know, they've gone on missions, and they've gone on these trips, and they've been a part of great teams and it's, you can always tell when they're having a tough time letting go after the trip. They're still trying to hang out and get together even though they disperse sometimes to different cities and they're trying to hold on because God did something there. I mean, they got to experience the presence of God like never before, got to see God move and they're trying to hold on. But the reality is their assignments change. They're going different places. But I, I tell them, I said, being married, it's like being on the best missions team ever and your assignment stays the same. You get to stay with that person. You get to continue to encounter the presence of God. God sent us together to the nations. We just got to go to Nepal and China together this summer. Um, it's awesome. We love it. Um, it's great. Being here in this house at Antioch Church, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I feel like today I, I'm going to speak to you like a Timothy of the house, if you guys will allow me to. I, I love the mission of this place, to awake, to equip, to send. Um, you guys heard from Pastor Jade that uh, he comes for the last 14 years. He's been training up missionaries from ORU. His wife's been a part of that. Um, the staff of this church, Dan, Joe, 
Dave, Jesse, so many, Ellen um, have come, Martha, Renee. I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, you guys. You, you don't know what you're doing for the nations right here, but this church, Antioch Church, as Jade even referenced in Acts, Antioch Church in Turkey, where, where that's positioned, it, it was the first church to the Gentiles there, but also it was the first church that Paul was launched out of to be a missionary to the rest of the world. And you guys need to understand that's part of your DNA. That's who you guys are. Missions is in your blood. It is in, the, it's in this house. If you guys, you guys, you hear it from your leaders, there's not many churches that will take 10, 20 minutes to pray for the nations of the earth, to pray for the persecuted nations, those that are persecuting those. You guys are part of a special house right here. I'm honored to be here with you today. I feel like we're family here, because um, not only do I feel like a Timothy, but the reason why I do is I feel like a son of this house. Your pastor is a man of honor. Your pastor has poured into my life. Your pastor has helped me. Not only did he do the wedding ceremony for my wife and I, and people still to this day, when they talk about our wedding, sometimes they say, oh, it was beautiful, but most of the time they're like, that pastor, he was awesome. Can we get his number? Because we want, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure he does that full time, but um, yes, no, but I, we're so grateful. Jade, not only honor the Lord in our wedding, but um, Jade, I'm so, so honored um, that you would uh, value me, value my wife, that you would pour into us, that you would walk us through a process, that you would speak into our lives. Um, Pastor Jade has prayed over me. Um, he has push me further to Jesus um, than anyone else that I know on this earth. And so I hope you guys know what a treasure that you guys have here and both Pastor Jade and Christy and their family and all the staff here. Today, I wanna talk to you guys um, as a Timothy, but I wanna talk to you about your heart. But more importantly, I'll, I want us to go on a little quick journey together, if you guys will. And I, I want you guys to ask the Lord to give you a heart to see his kingdom at hand. A heart to see the kingdom at hand. That's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. I uh, was just recently in Iraq and um, it was this summer. I went, started an organization called More Than a Game and we basically just used soccer as a tool to reach refugee populations, to reach Muslims. It's just a tool, a platform to open up the doors to reach those that maybe we couldn't have if we were a traditional missions team and God gave me that vision in 2010 in, in Tanzania. The World Cup was in Africa. Football was buzzing there, but I went to villages that our, our contact in Tanzania wanted to bring medicine. He wanted to bring clean water, wanted to bring education, and of course wanted to bring the gospel. But I saw how witch doctors and chiefs of villages that were Muslims would, would, didn't even want them to help their children with medicine and education because they knew that they were Christian. But I saw as our team walked along those roads in those villages, kicking a football, a soccer ball. I saw how chiefs of uh, villages opened up the doors to us because of a little ball. The beautiful game, universal language. I saw Darius out uh, here, another ORU alum that uh, loves football. Darius, maybe one day you'll, you'll be coming with us to the Middle East. Um, taking, I know there's, there's passions, there's dreams inside of every single one of you guys. And maybe since you were a little kid, God put that in your heart. Arts, dance, drama, business, education, government. God put it there for a reason. And many of you guys, you haven't quite seen, your eyes haven't been enlightened yet to see how God could use that to further his kingdom. But I'm telling you, he will. He will. And it happened to me in 2010. God put that vision in my heart. 
And uh, so this summer, um, got to see that played out in a, in a powerful way when we went to Kurdistan, the northern region of, of Iraq, and we, we took a team. There was eight of us soccer players and coaches. And those soccer players and coaches, we uh, put on soccer camps and clinics for the kids there in that region. And those kids in that region, many of them were Syrian refugees. They had fled from a war-torn nation. All that they've known is violence. The Bible even says that the seed of Ishmael, it's a spiritual stronghold what's happened there in that region. If, if you know the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, you know, and when you read that story, though, when, you, when you're, you read what happened, though, with Ishmael, the seed of Ishmael, a spiritual stronghold, I see that it happened. Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't wait on the promise of God. They weren't patient enough, so they tried to make it in their own time and do their own thing. And what happened was Ishmael. And the seed of Ishmael, we see a spiritual stronghold in that region, and it's kingdoms. It's kingdoms clashing together. The Bible says that, that he will raise his hand against his another. He'll be like a wild donkey. He'll be good with the bow. And, and what we see there in that region is a spiritual stronghold. We see spiritual seeds that have taken place there. We see a kingdom of darkness. But church, I wanna to talk to you today though about opportunities where we see the kingdom at hand, even in the Middle East, even as we pray today about ISIS, IS right now in that region that we hear about the darkness, but church, there is a kingdom of light that is pushing against that kingdom of darkness. And now more than ever, there's opportunity for us to rise up, to see light, push back darkness and to see hope come into a region. So that's what we did this summer. We took a little football, a little soccer ball. We trained coaches. We put on a camping clinic for those Syrian refugee kids and also the local Iraqi kids. God did a lot um, in that time. I wanna point out on this screen, if you guys can see it behind me, there's a man named Bilal who's uh, preaching with the microphone there. He was my translator. And um, Bilal right there, he was a Muslim man. He's the mayor of the Syrian refugee camp. You can see them uh, next to us in the picture there. We were speaking to all of them in that place. This is after we were playing with their kids, giving them soccer, training coaches. And so we, we had an opportunity to speak to all of them. And Bilal's sharing um, to them as, through a translator, Aram down below, which I'll tell you his story. But Bilal, a Muslim, former Muslim man, came to know Jesus. The reason why he came to know Jesus is because around that Syrian refugee camp in that area, there's 13 mosques. And what Bilal said is he says, I've seen for eight months since these refugees have been here. He says, not one person from this area has come to help me. He said, but I saw how the church, Christians in America would come month after month and bring food and bring blankets and they would come and love us with no strings attached. And he said, I wanna know that God. See church, sometimes it's not our intellect Sometimes it's not these great wise schemes. Sometimes it's just the heart of God, the compassion of heaven that can win people into the kingdom of God. And that's what happened to Bilal, a leader, the mayor of the Syrian refugee council there in that area came to know Jesus. And guess what? His staff, those around him come to know the Lord now too. And they're being discipled and he has an opportunity to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a whole people group there in that area. Our translator below, his name is Aram. Aram's Iranian. If you guys uh, know much about Iran, we prayed for it today. 
some of the worst persecution uh, today. My wife, she actually works at Voice of the Martyr. She is the youth and young adult coordinator. The stories that they hear every day, it is, it's challenging. It will challenge your faith, but it also challenges your heart. But in the midst of the difficulties we hear about what's happening in Iran, do you guys know that Iran, by percentage-wise, has the fastest growing church in all the earth? A place where some of the worst persecution in the world, where being a Christian means that there's a cost, that you will suffer, that there's a chance you can be in prison or worse, that that is where the church is growing the fastest by population. So in the midst of suffering and hurt, we also see hope, we see opportunity, we see the kingdom of God. Aram, him and his brother, they fled Iran and they did so because strategically there was a lot of Iranian believers coming to know the Lord. They went there to Kurdistan, just across the border to the West. Kurdistan's Northern Iraq, a part of Iraq. And they started training Iranian converts. They would sneak them over the border where they could disciple them, give them Bibles, send them back. Well, the Iranian government found out and they held their father in Iran and they said, we know what your sons are doing. They said, call them and tell them to come home. And his father said to the Iranian government, my sons are grown men, they can make their own choices. So they beat him and they beat him almost to the point of death. And they told him one more time, call up your sons, tell them to come home. So the father calls up Aram and his brother and tells him what's going on. But he says, sons, I bless you. I bless you to continue in what you know to be the call of God in your life. The father released them to keep doing what he knew God had called him to do, but knowing the cost behind. And right after that, the Iranian government beat him again, left him out for dead and he died. And Arma, when he told me that story, he had tears in his eyes. I had tears in my eyes because Arm still hurts that story when he shares that. He hurts because he knows that the choice that he made to stay in Kurdistan, it caused his father's death, but he also knows that the choice to follow God, to see the kingdom come on this earth, that there's a cost, but it's worth it. And Aram was our translator that time, and we saw a salvation there at the end of the trip. We saw the word of God go forth in a Muslim nation to people that had never before heard the gospel because of this man's obedience to follow Jesus no matter the cost. There's a man named Nabil who was there that day as we're sharing to those Syrian refugees. And Nabil is the president of the Bible Society in Iraq. He's faced persecution himself quite a bit. The guy's like the godfather uh, there in Kurdistan. Um, but many believers, they call him father. In fact, Brooke was just talking to Nabil. He was at VOM a couple weeks ago and he was sharing a story about a young female, about 27, 28 years old, and her father was murdered for being a Christian. And she just asked Nabil, she says, since I don't have a daddy, can I call you daddy? So Nabil is a man that disciples, he fathers people there, a father in the faith in that region. They're responsible for really distributing the word of God throughout many places in the Middle East, Jordan, Amman, where he was from, Iraq, Iran. Nabil said this to me at the end of our trip. You know, we had been with the kids all week long. We saw a move of God. Was it risky? Yes, but was it worth it? Absolutely. And Nabil was telling us how, how awesome it was that we would come and, and the stories that fathers, Muslim fathers shared what had happened, things that he saw. And, and we were encouraged, but I said, Nabil said, we're, we're going back to the U.S. where it's safe to be a Christian. 
where in fact, by me sharing the gospel, I don't even have to be careful about when I can share about Jesus or how I can share about Jesus. I can freely share about Jesus. And I said, in fact, even where I'm from, I'm praised for doing so. See, in my culture, the more that I step out and do good works in the name of Jesus, in fact, those around me, I, I get praised. I said, in fact, it's encouraged. I said, Nabil, what can I do when I go back to the church in the West? What can I do when I go back to a Christian university? What can I tell Christian Americans? How can we help you here in the Middle East? And he says, Bobby, he says, please. He says, tell them to pray. We need, we need to know that they're praying with us. He says, tell them to give. He says, yes, we need resources here. He says, but what you really need to tell Christians in the West to do is to stop being cowards. And when he said that to me, I, it just hit in my heart so hard because here I was thinking, man, we, you know, look at us. We brought the light here. We, we did this, but he said that to me and, and right then conviction of the Lord because church, I almost didn't go. I almost didn't go to the Middle East because two days before we left, news of ISIS taking over Mosul and moving close to Kurdistan, less than a hundred kilometers away from where we were, you know, we're reading the news like you guys and we're seeing what's happening, what CNN's saying and how they're reporting. And sometimes they're falsely reporting things and, and exaggerating it. But to be honest, the truth is there, what's happening. When we were even in Iraq in that week, a pastor had been run off the road by radical Muslims trying to kill him. Right before we preached to those Syrian refugees, the truth of the gospel, a man had been threatened that if we evangelize, if we see any converts, that he would be thrown in prison. A man that had family. Some of this we didn't even know. And that's why at the end of that, when we preached the, the gospel, it came to a point of decision. I said, hey, all right, right now, if you're ready. And both Bilal and, and the translator looked at me and said, we, we can't do that. And I said, what? you know, they're ready. They're, they're in the midst of, of pain and suffering. And we just preached the gospel. Man, let's see them receive. And they said, not now. We, we'll follow up with them later in their homes where it's safe. But if we would have done that in public, I had no idea that the man had just been threatened for four hours a day before that if one person would have raised their hand, he would have been in prison and who knows what else would have happened to him. So yes, this is happening there, but I didn't even, almost didn't even go. When we went there, we saw victory. We saw a lot of those kids, you know, say that they forgot what it was like to be a refugee, that they had joy deep in their heart like they have never before. Only God can do that. Only God can come into a nation that their whole culture is violence, their whole culture is fear, their whole culture is manipulation. But if we'll simply just be countercultural, if we'll be not bring our American culture, but bring the culture of the kingdom of God, of Jesus himself, if we'll bring a culture of mercy, of grace, where all that they know is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, if we'll bring a culture of compassion, of love in the midst of people that all they can think about is their own because they've fleen from a war and they're now in the midst of another war, if we'll bring that culture that God can do something great, and we saw how he did in a short amount of time. We saw a man come to know Jesus, that he was so tired of where he was living in the state. Nabil said this to me at the end. He said, Bobby, he said, the reason why we need Christians to stop being cowards, he says, because right now, more than ever, Muslims and people in this region, they're questioning, they're seeking. The word Islam just means surrender, submit. They're trying to submit and surrender to the will of God. And, and, and church, I have many friends that are Muslims. Not all Muslims are bad. In fact, our battle is not against flesh and blood and we cannot mistake that. Just like we prayed for those that persecute others today, 
Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities. It's the enemy that's dark in their eyes. And Abiel said, what we need to do is we need Christians to stop fleeing. He says, we need them. He says, but right now, Muslims, they're seeking the will of God. And now they're asking, is this really what Allah wills? Is this really the will of Allah for violence for us not to have food to eat? 200,000 refugees near Erbil. Not only do they not have shelters in place to live, it's 120 degrees outside. Yes, there's food coming, but not enough. But where do they go to the bathroom? Sanitation's an issue. Hygiene's an issue. And people are in the midst of this, the worst tragedy. The UN says that at the highest level of emergency of tragedy right now is happening in this region. And now what is happening? Some Christians want to flee. I almost didn't go. I stand before you not as a man of courage, but as a man that almost cowered in the face of that and and almost missed an opportunity to see the kingdom of God come into an area that needs it. Why? Because sometimes if we're honest, we value our own life. What we're taught here is, and and, and please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're all supposed to go in the middle of a war zone with a soccer ball. (laughs) That, That may not be the most strategic thing for us to always do. But we also need to learn what it means to count the cost to follow Jesus, to have a heart to see his kingdom at hand and to be willing to pay the price to do so. Nabil challenged us. He says, why would we flee now? Now's the time. Church, we were made for this. We were made for such a time like this. We hear what's happening in Iran, in China, how the church is growing. The early church, Antioch church in the book of Acts, what was happening during that time? There was persecution. Hey, now's the time for us to stand up, rise up. We were made for this. This is who we are. Ephesians 1.18. This will be a main passage I want us to ask the Lord to open up the eyes of our heart to. In Ephesians 1.18, this is a scripture verse that I prayed two days before going to Iraq. Before I was about to lead, seven other men, two of them already have babies. Another one had a baby on the way. Their wives are asking, are, are you guys really gonna go? Is it really safe? My wife and I are praying and Lord, we need to hear your voice. We need to know, is this strategic? Is this really what you, what you have? We're reading the news, reading what's happening. And so I, I was praying before I went, Lord, I, I need to know this is you. I need to know that this isn't just me doing something stupid. Is it risky? Yes, I'm willing to take risks, but I, I've gotta be wise, Lord. I need to know this you call. And so I felt like the Lord gave me this verse. And if you read more of Ephesians, even starting chapter First, chapter one, verse 15 going, going on, it talks about that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It talks about the authority that Jesus has over every name in heaven and earth, that, that Jesus has authority. But this is, this is what Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, which I believe for us right here today, is that I pray that you would have the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of your heart be opened that you would know the hope to which he's called you. You guys are in a series of activation. I listen to the podcast, love it, get challenged by it. And what I'm praying here today is that your hearts would be activated to see the kingdom of God at hand, to see those opportunities. And so just like Paul prayed for the Ephesians church, that's our prayer today. God, open up the eyes of our hearts that we would see your kingdom at hand, that we would see you, know you, that we would know the hope to which we've been called. I'm gonna pray right now and just ask you to, Allow the Lord to open your heart. God, we just humble ourselves in this place. And God, we ask, God, would you open up the eyes of our hearts? 
God, give us a spirit of wisdom, of revelation in this hour that we're living in. God, a church right here that is called to the nations, called to awaken, equip, and send others out. God, not only to Peru, Tanzania, Nicaragua, but God, we know that this place, God, is training leaders that are going out throughout the world. God, we know that, God, this church has an assignment even in this city. And God, I pray for every single person in this house. God, awaken our hearts. Open up the eyes of our hearts. God, help us to see your kingdom at hand. God, just as we sung in this worship service today, God, to you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. God, open up our hearts. We open them to you. God, reveal any hidden motives in us right now. God, you are our one desire. God, we pray, God, even right here in this service, Jesus, be glorified and speak to our hearts. Amen. Amen. Someone's excited. I love it. So Jade, uh, I don't know if he mentioned we were, we were praying this morning, but um, I actually was in Israel just three weeks after uh, Iraq and um, right before I left, rockets overhead. Um, when we were there, we saw a missile on the way to Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. Bomb sirens going off and the saddest thing is that we were in a hotel lobby, a wedding was happening and as the bomb siren goes off, the whole wedding has to stop going to shelter. And I just thought eight months ago, my wife and I, your pastor, Lena said, we don't have to worry about that here. We don't have to worry about in the most beautiful, joyous celebration of someone's life. Could you imagine living in a place like that where that's a reality? But church, let me encourage you, the kingdom is at hand. Jesus said when, when he walked this earth and even when he came back, when he resurrected, he preached this message and he talked so much about the kingdom. And this is why I love what your pastor, what he understands, your church staff, what you guys as a house, you're praying for the kingdom to come. You're praying his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Jesus said this, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what that means is it's here and now, but we know it's not yet right? We, we know that the kingdom, Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. That word, what it means in the Greek, it means that it's so close. You could grasp it. It's, it's here. It's, it's almost tangible, but we, it's not yet in every place. We know that. But what it means is that we have access now to the king. We have access to the kingdom. We have access to the king and church. We need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. There's opportunities for the kingdom to come. And what I want to challenge us here today is that we don't get too lost in thinking that all of our callings and all of our hope, it's, it's for temporal things, it's for another job, another house, it's for another book we're going to write. What I want to challenge us to know, just like the believers that we pray for here today, what they pray for is they don't pray that, that they would be saved from suffering or persecution. What they pray is that many more would come to know Jesus. See, their hope is in heaven. They have an eternal hope. They know that our treasures are not on this earth. It's, it's real to them. When you read the Bible and, and Jesus says, take up your cross and deny yourself, those who lose their life will find it. You walk with believers and they know something that we don't because their hope, they know the hope to that which they've been called is not another promotion. It's not a bigger platform, but it's the hope of heaven. <laughs> 
It's an eternal hope that we have. And so we can't get it confused. The hope that we're talking about, the hope of our calling, it is heaven, but it's not just for us to go to heaven, but it's, it's to see heaven come to earth. It's to see the kingdom of God at hand. The gospel itself is not just creation. It's not the fall and it's not just redemption. The gospel, the fullness of the gospel is creation, the fall redemption, but restoration. God wants to see the kingdom come. He wants to see restoration in families, in, in the economies. He wants to see it in homes. He wants to see it in the lost in the streets. Brooke and I were just walking around Fort Collins last night with her parents and we just saw a generation that was hurting. You could see it in their eyes right here in your own backyard. You know that you don't have to go on a missions trip to see opportunity to see the kingdom come. But guys, you need to know that that is the will of God, that we not just go to heaven and we say a prayer and that's it. And it's just... Guys, you need to know that God wants that none shall perish, that all would come to a saving knowledge of the truth. That word all means ethne in the Greek. It's all people groups, every tribe, every tongue, every language, and they're right here surrounding you. We walked in the streets and we saw Muslims with, with burqas on right here in Colorado. We saw people from Nepal and India, and you guys know it. Even here in this church, you guys have a, a multi-generational, multicultural church man, we can see the kingdom of God come, not just on a mission trip, but we can see it come now and we need to understand that's what it is. So I, I wanna make sure I don't confuse this message as much as, hey, I'm a missions director. Missions is what I love. I love sending people out. You know, that man, something awakens, something comes alive. That's what happened to me when I went on my first mission trip to Brazil. My life was transformed, but we need to understand this. Jesus says, if we wanna see the kingdom of God, <laughs> If we wanna know the kingdom of God, it's not just some prayer, it's not a mission trip. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Man, we have to know Jesus. We have to surrender our hearts to seeing the kingdom of God. But let me, let me challenge us right here. You know, the, the grace message is a powerful message and someone like myself, there's times I need to hear that. I need to know that it's not just about my works. It's not, I, I can't gain the approval of God by how, Many, how many more mission trips I go on or how brave I think I could be and more I can do. It is only by the grace of God that we've been made righteous, that we've been made whole by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And that's the truth that we all need to know that we're a son and a daughter of God, not because what we've done, but because what he's done and his great love towards us. And so in Ephesians, when it says, hey, it's, you, none of us can boast. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith a work not of our own. We cannot boast in this. This hope that we have, this hope that we've been called to, this eternal hope that God's enlightened our eyes that now we can see, we can see with an eternal perspective. We can't boast of that. It's only Jesus. But what it does say though here, which we cannot forget, we're his worksmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. He didn't just save us, so we can have more church services, sing louder, pray longer. Guys, don't get me wrong. We need to be in the presence of God. We need to pray. Prayer is the most important ministry, but church, let me encourage us. We were created for good works. There's dreams, desires in your heart that God has put there. He's planted there and they're not just for you. He created you, you're his workmanship, but he created you for good works to see his kingdom come on this earth to see the kingdom of God at hand, to see the kingdom move. We have to awaken to that understanding that we cannot just keep this to ourselves. We're gonna have to step out and be bold and understand that God's created us for good works. But why sometimes can't we see that? Why or sometimes can we not understand and see the kingdom at hand? 
Ephesians 4.18, it says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So we, we, we understand there's a kingdom of darkness at work, right? None of us deny that kingdom of light and darkness. We can see that when we talk about it, what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening with Boko Haram and Nigeria. So, so we cannot deny that just as much as God is real, there's an enemy, a prince of the air that's trying to put blinders, veils on people's hearts, the eyes of the heart where they cannot see. But can I challenge us right here in this church that maybe even some of us that have been called by God, we have an eternal hope. Some of us, our hearts have been hardened. Some of us, our hearts have been blinded where we cannot see the kingdom of God. We can't see those opportunities at hand. The Bible encourages us so much about the heart. Why is the heart important? Because out of it flows the wellsprings of life, right? Proverbs says that guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. So church, before you can fight for the hearts of others and the freedoms of others' hearts, you have to fight for your own heart. You have to know that your heart is important to God, that God cares more about not just what you do, but he cares about you and your heart. He cares about your well-being. Some of you guys even here in this place, you're discouraged. You feel despondent. Some of you feel depressed. Some of you guys, you have hopes in your heart, dreams in your heart that you haven't seen come to pass yet. And because of that, your heart can become numb. It can become blinded to the kingdom at hand and opportunities in front of you. We have to be careful of that. We have to guard our heart. We have to understand that just as much as God is real, so is the enemy. And he doesn't wanna see the works of God come to pass. But if we're alert, if we're aware of that, that God can still move. He can bring revelation. He can bring enlightening to our heart. And what I wanna challenge us here today, just I know we're, we're getting ready to close here. Not gonna keep you guys here forever. I, I appreciate so much this opportunity, but I, I feel like God wants to, leave something here in your hearts that if, if you'll allow me to just go five more minutes here to unpack this. In Mark chapter 10, and, and some of this up there on the screen, I won't go too much in detail, but this is when the disciples were asking Jesus, they said, Jesus, when your kingdom comes on this earth, because Jesus was talking about the kingdom when he was walking with them, those that were closest to him, right? They walked with Jesus, they heard him talk about the kingdom and they asked, they said, Jesus, when your kingdom comes in glory, where will we be seated? Can we sit next to you? What were they asking there? They were asking for position. They were asking for power. They might've even been asking for money. People, you know, when governments, when they ruled on the earth, you know, people that were seated next to the king, they had a high place of honor, but they had a high place of power, of promotion, of money. And, and Jesus knew that what they were asking was not to see the kingdom of God come. What they were asking was to see their kingdom established. They were looking not to see the kingdom of God, but they were trying to see their own kingdom be built up. And so he speaks to them and, 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 and the other disciples, they say the same thing. They were mad, not and upset because they asked that because they wanted that seat of power. These were the people that walked close to Jesus and yet they missed it. They thought he was talking about an earthly kingdom, more buildings and throw away the Romans. And now all of a sudden that we're in power and we're gonna get money and promotion. And Jesus said, no, you missed it. He wasn't talking about an earthly kingdom. He was talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And who would ever be the first among you must be a slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To see the kingdom of God, we have to be more concerned about his kingdom and not our own.
we have to move from a place of just having sympathy for those that are lost and broken in a place of empathy where we actually can feel the heart of heaven where it's not just something that we read on our phone or watch something on YouTube, but we ask God, God, help us to feel with your heart. What would you do if you were there? This picture on the screen is a girl named Helen who went on an ORU mission trip to a, a place called Mossy in, in Cape Town, South Africa, where the kids use tick a drug. They're, they're sold into sex trafficking. There's abuse, there's poverty. But Helen asked the question, Jesus, if you were here, who would you touch? Who would you see? And that little girl in that picture, Zulani, to Helen's right. She came to know Jesus that day and Helen held her hand and she sung a song. There's power in the name of Jesus. And, and we all watched that little Zulani, her eyes just flooded with tears and she was looking straight up to heaven and singing to Jesus himself. And after that prayer, Helen asked Zulani, she said, Zulani, what was happening? And little did we know that little Zelaney was kicked out of her house. She was abused by her father. She ran to the police and even the police didn't take her in. This is a girl that didn't know of hope, didn't know of love, didn't know of comfort, security, but in a moment in the presence of God, someone asking, God, help me to feel your heart. Help me to be a servant of all. If you walk the streets of Mossy in this, in this township, who would you go serve? Who would you touch? And for us church to really reach the world, we're gonna to have to move past the point of just sympathizing for others, but the point of empathy. And when we have empathy, we feel what they feel. We hurt how they hurt. We have the heart of Jesus and his compassion and it will spur us maybe to the ends of the earth, maybe to the middle of a war zone to bring Jesus himself or maybe to your next door neighbor. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You wanna know who sees the heart of God? Those that are pure in heart. To be pure, it's only by Jesus' blood, his righteousness. We can't do it our own strength. It's only by God's grace that he makes us clean, redeems us, restores us. But guys, that word heart right there, pure heart, yes, it's physical. That word in the Greek, cardia, is where we get cardio from cardiovascular, that, that word, but it doesn't just mean physical in the Greek. It also means the core of who we are. Our spiritual eye, what we see, it means to the core of our very motives, the core of our decisions, our integrity, our character. And church, I just wanna challenge you here today. If we really wanna be a people that sees the heart of God, we have to challenge our kingdom ambition. And what I mean by that is that we have to start, seek First, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and not our own. Some of the most humble men that I've met don't have a title, they don't have a position. There's a cafeteria worker at Oral Roberts University. His name is Ben Christosom. He's from Northern India. Many people don't know his name, even that work at that university. That man has won more people to Jesus than I think any professor at that university. That man, he, he disciples. There was an Iranian guy that moved to Tulsa. Someone from Iran moves to Tulsa. Ben wins him to Jesus, disciples him, baptizes him. He, everyone that he comes in contact with, he goes to Northern India, trains pastors. He's a cafeteria worker at the university and people with shirts and ties, doctorates to their name, walk by, don't know his name. But that man knows the heart of Jesus. That man sees the kingdom of God. He sees opportunity. See, your dreams are not bad dreams to write a book, to build a building, to start a ministry, to be a doctor. They're not bad dreams. In fact, I believe that they're God dreams. But what I wanna challenge you with here today 
is are they purely the heart of God? What is your motives for wanting to write that book to be the next Billy Graham? Is it so that your name will be known? Or is it so that the kingdom of God will come to those that are lost and broken? And church, I just wanna challenge you here today. What if you were like that man in China? None of us know his name here. Man's a believer there. We've seen the kingdom of God moving in China. What if you were a Ben Christosom, a cafeteria worker at ORU? where God said, hey, I'll use you to reach internationals that come from all around the world, but I'm gonna put you in the middle of a cafeteria serving food. Would you be willing to say yes to the Lord? Would you be willing to be used by God to see the kingdom of God come, to see the opportunities of heaven, to see those just like the early disciples when we talked about them asking Jesus, where are we gonna be seated? Where is our seat in the kingdom? They thought that they were singing, seeking the kingdom of God, but it wasn't the kingdom of God, it was their own kingdom. So church, I just wanna ask you, whose kingdom are you building today? For us to have a heart to see the kingdom of God, we have to truly be willing to build his kingdom and not our own. The Bible says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Those same disciples that walk with Jesus that missed it. Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, and Peter says, man, let's build a church, let's build a building. Jesus, man, it's not about that. We're not trying to build walls right here. Some of us, we've had amazing encounters in the presence of God, and we think, okay, that's it. That, that's it. We must do something now, we must build something. Jesus, hey, kingdom of heaven, you can't, can't always see it with your temporal eyes. You have to look harder with the eyes of your heart. Let your eyes of your heart be enlightened. See the kingdom, those same disciples, Peter and John, after God rescues them, redeems them, restores them. Peter who denied Jesus, after Jesus resurrected, he appears to Peter and he talks to Peter and he encourages them. And Peter is now a man full of power. The first 3000 in the church are won by a message that he preaches about Jesus. Something happened, his eyes of his heart were enlightened and they walk to the temple one day. And you can read this in Acts 4, 5, right around there. They're, they're walking to the temple and they walk by the beautiful gate and they see a man that was a beggar, a lame beggar. He's been lame for the Bible, uh, Bible scholars believe maybe 40 years. The same people walked by that man for 40 years. Many of those same disciples, there's no way they could have missed him. But something happened when Peter, when he walks by this lame beggar and the man's asking for money, please. I, I was just in Jerusalem and saw the beggars near the temple and they, they're asking for money and we can look by and say, oh man, the need, I don't even, I, I can give you something, but I, I know that's not gonna help. But what happened in Peter's eyes, something that, that changed, here's someone that missed it when he thought he knew what the kingdom was gonna look like, that they were gonna throw over the Romans and Israel is gonna be ruling the world. And Jesus said, no, the kingdom of heaven is like, it's eternal, it's this hope. It's the eyes of our heart to be unlocked to see the kingdom of God is to see opportunities that we once missed that were right, right there in front of us. Now we can see the kingdom move. What Peter, when he sees that lame beggar, 40 years walked by him at the beautiful gate. Now he says, you know what? Silver and gold have I not, but what I have, I give you rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. See, Peter now saw not just with the eyes of sympathy, he saw with the eyes of empathy, he felt Jesus' heart, he saw it, but he saw an opportunity in the kingdom of God. In church, we need to see not just need, but opportunity. What that man needed was not a few coins. He didn't need money. He needed a healing in his heart. He needed to know the king. He needed to have access to the king. And Peter saw with those eyes now. Didn't just give him money. Didn't just walk by him. He had access to the king. He saw an opportunity to see the kingdom of God come. Church, that's our mission. 
to see people not with the eyes of need, see them with the eyes of opportunity. God, how is your kingdom at work in this area? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of suffering, yet God is still at work, he's there. His kingdom is here, his kingdom is at hand. Will we have the heart to see? Will our eyes of our heart be enlightened that we would know the hope to that which we are called? Would we see the good works that Jesus has in store? Maybe those that we've walked by for many years in our neighborhood, in our school, in our work. Maybe dreams that God's put in your heart and the reason why you feel discouraged. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But can I challenge you today that maybe it's the motives of your heart. Maybe it's your ambition. Maybe God knows that he wants to purify your heart to a place where you're willing to accept sacrifice, suffering the cost to follow him and say, God, this is truly not about me, but it's about your kingdom. God, I don't care if maybe I'm a Ben Christosan that works in a cafeteria. All I want is to see your kingdom come in this earth. I wanna see the lost come to know you in church. I believe if we'll not focus on ourselves, not focus on what we see, but if we'll see Jesus and allow him to unlock the eyes of our heart, we could see the kingdom come. If we'll stop focusing on us, you could hold your hand out in front of a camera and try to take a picture, but all you're gonna see is your hand. And I believe that's sometimes what happens to us. We're trying to see the kingdom. God, I'm trying, where are you moving? What are you trying to do? And, and we just see our hand, we look at ourselves, but if we'll just move ourselves out of the way, we'll see a sea of people, a sea of opportunities for the kingdom to come if we'll just decrease and allow them to increase. If we'll take up our cross and deny ourselves and lose our life and truly find it. Much like those I share with you guys about. So what do you see in front of you? What opportunities? The Bible says that Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child should not enter it. What do we love about children? They're pure in heart. They're, they want to, they're not concerned about their title, their money, their paycheck, or who's gonna know their name. They're just, there's an innocence there in church. We need to return to that innocence. That baby's there at New Day, foster home today. Do you guys go to New Day? You guys, have, your church has sent missionaries to this place. It used to be a field where people committed suicide. Now it's a place where babies that would have been dead are rescued, redeemed, restored. Many of them are adopted into Christian families and now they'll know the hope to that which they're called because Christians stepped out. They didn't care about their name. They didn't care about their paycheck, their salary. They moved to China when it didn't make sense. The field that people used to commit suicide and now young babies. Not only are they rescued out of orphanages where they would have died, but now they're living and now they're living with an eternal hope. Church, if we'll just have eyes to see the kingdom of God and his opportunities, create in me a pure heart of God. David was a man after God's own heart, but we know David sinned, he, he missed it. If you're here in this place and you feel like my heart is not pure, my motives are not pure, God, forgive me, I, I wanna challenge you right here in this place. God, God loves not just the world, not just the nations, he loves us. He loves a broken boy who lost in drugs, addicted. I spat in his face, I didn't know him, but yet his love is so true. First mission trip I went on in Brazil, something happened to me because I realized, you know what, I don't deserve it. I, I, people were, were, were coming to know Jesus 
through my testimony and I knew at that moment it wasn't because of what I had done. I knew who I was. I'm a wretched man without Jesus. But I knew the Father's love. I knew that if God could rescue me, who else could he rescue? No one's too far from the hand of God. No opportunity too far from the kingdom of God to move. Church, we need to wake and have a heart to see. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Church, we need to repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to repent in our heart. God, purify our hearts. Create in us a pure heart, oh God. This pastor right here, Brooke and I saw him in Nepal. Don't have time to go into the details of the story, but Pastor Rasune, first believer in that village, he's been beaten, bruised, threatened, him and his wife, 150 believers in a city in Nepal now because of their obedience. But this pastor said something that rocked the both of us and challenged our heart. He said that we believe that 500 more believers are gonna come to know the Lord in the next one to two years. But he said, we also know that two or three of us will have to give up our life to see that happen. And we, we looked at each other, did he, did he mean literally? Like, and so we asked him to clarify and he says, yes. Did you read your Bible? Yeah, yeah, we, we're willing to give up our lives so that 500 more people will come to know Jesus in an area of Hindu radicals that have threatened him, beat him. Church, what do we see around us? How do we see the kingdom of God? What are our motives? Whose kingdom are we trying to build, our own or Jesus's? I just want to pray for you guys here in this place. And I know it's a little late, and so if some of you guys need to leave after this prayer, please do. But if some of you guys want to stick around, I know that there's members of this church, leaders of this staff, this body that just want to pray for you. Pray for the dreams of your heart, what God's put in your heart, that you would know the hope to which you've been called. Some of you guys, where your heart feels sick, your heart feels discouraged. I believe that God wants to bring healing, but I believe that God's going to unlock opportunities that are there to see the kingdom come. So let's pray here in this place. God, we're humbled that you would call us, that you would love us. God, you would love us first, God, when we didn't deserve it. But yet, God, that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart, that we could know you, that we could know the hope to that which we are called. And God, that we could be a part of seeing your kingdom come on this earth. So God, here in this place, I pray right now in the spirit of Jesus to minister to hearts, to pierce the very core of who we are, our very motives, our very desires. Oh God, only you know, nothing here is hidden. God, we open our hearts to you right now. God, we invite you even to do surgery in those places of hurt, those places of wounds. God, I ask that you even bring revelation right now. God, even those places, God of discouraged or discounted dreams, God, where we thought that could never happen, that could never come to pass. God, I pray even right now, God, speak to those places. God, even challenge, God, the very prayers, God, that we prayed for that to come. God, I pray, God, purify us as a church. God, let our very motive be, God, that you would be lifted high, you would be exalted, God, and that we would decrease. God, that we wouldn't be concerned about our title, our name on a book or a building. God, that we wouldn't be concerned, God, about our paycheck. God, we wouldn't even be concerned about our very life. But Jesus, that we would see your kingdom at hand. God, give us those eyes to see. Give us that heart to see your kingdom. So God, I pray even right here in this place for anyone that doesn't know you, anyone that feels conviction, 
in their heart. I just want to tell you, church, if that's you right here today, that God loves you, that God is pursuing you, that he will never let you go, that he is going to continue to chase you because he loves your heart. It's not about what you've done or what you haven't done or what dreams you let go or what you gave up on, that God is going to continue to pursue. His heart won't, won't relent. It won't give up. It's going to continue to chase after you. And if I'm speaking to anyone here today where they know that in their hearts, if they could be truly honest, they can't see God because they haven't truly repented. I'm gonna challenge you even here in this place. If that's you, please come forward when we have a time of prayer. Please chat with one of these staff members. You can't see the kingdom of God until you first come to know him, but the rest of us here, church, in this place, maybe you've been walking with God for many years, but you haven't seen the kingdom at hand. You haven't experienced the power of the kingdom. You see many knees, but you're missing the opportunities and you know that God wants to unlock something in the eyes of your heart, I'm going to ask you to just come forward right here to the front. I'm going to ask the pastoral staff to just pray with those here.